Welcome to your Right to Speak discussions on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 67, and you're listening to the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with David, who is passionate about sports policy and the positive impact it could have on the community and society. David is specifically interested in looking at uh, sports policy and addressing various gaps within the systems. For those of you who know me, know that I'm not really into sports or know much about sports policy, so I'm very interested and excited to learn from David today. David, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, sure. Thank you for having me, uh, Salvatore, today on on this episode. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So my name is David Thibodeau. I use the pronouns he, him. Um, I'm a former, I guess, never tired athlete. I competed at Canada Games for Team New Brunswick for swimming in 2013. Um, I am now a swim coach, uh, so I, I coach mostly ages 9 to 12. Uh, I'm an advocate for better inclusion of 2S LGBTQ plus uh, peoples in sports uh, in, various, in various ways. And I was selected as a young sport maker for Global Sports Week uh, in Paris last year in 2020. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to be here and, uh, I, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you more about uh, how sport can have a positive social impact. Wow, that sounds like you got quite the roster of experience. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess let's just, you know, dive in and see where this journey takes us. Um, I was wondering if you can first explain to the listeners what the Rising Youth Grant is and what process you took to apply to the grant. Um, sure. So I learned about the uh, the Rising Youth from a, a friend who's also an alumni of uh, the Rising Youth, um, Aaron Taylor. Um, so thank thank you for t- thank you to him for <laughs> pointing me to this to this uh, to this program. Um, so the Rising Youth is, you know, it's a, it's like a microcredit um, that sort of empowers youth to work on specific projects that they um, that they believe are meeting a need in their or like a gap in their community. Um, so my experience with, you know, the application, um, was that, you know, it was super, it was super simple. The whole, I guess the whole idea behind, you know, microcrediting is that, um, it really empowers people to address the specific issues that they see. Um, so, you, you know, I think that it was super accessible for, for all youth and the application was super simple. And, and there was just a final report that everyone had to submit, um, out, you know, after their project is being completed. Um, Yeah. What did you learn about your experience in applying to the Rising Youth Grant? Um, I guess what I learned was that youth have really great ideas and that, you know, n- you know, no idea is a bad idea. I think, um, you know, what I really like about the microcredit sort of um, operating model is that it really empowers people to, um, you know, think for themselves and think about the issues that they see. Um, I, that's what I, you know, I, I really learned that, that youth have a lot of power, I guess. I would agree with that. And uh, I hear from a lot of the alumni that one of the good things about this grant is that it is very much um, empowering and it gives youth a chance to really kind of uh, catapult their project into, uh, I guess, whatever way they wish to do so. Yeah, definitely. That's a, it's a, that's a really big, um, 
uh, part of the project I, and part of the uh, this initiative, I think, and I, this definitely happened with me and my project. Um, so my project project is called Sports for Social Impact, and you know it's really, um, you know, I, you know, my my I guess my project is still ongoing. It hasn't really completed, but um, it's just under a year old. I really launched at the end of January twenty twenty. Um, so we're coming up on the first year, and in the last year, I I've feel that I've really been empowered, and um, you know, new opportunities have come. Um, I've been able to start contributing to uh, sport and development, or, or it's called sportanddev.org. So it's like um, it's an online um, journal for sport and development for people all around the world. Um, so that that opportunity came because um, my you know my project was sort of discovered I guess, <laughs> and so I was able to um, be able to start doing that as well. So that 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 was really exciting for me. Well, I mean, it, since that was a good segue, since you kind of introduced your project, I'm sure the listeners are uh, dying to know what your project is. So could you please uh, explain um, what it is? how you came up with the idea, um, where it's located? Sure. So I'm, I'm located in Ottawa, but you know, the project is all virtual at this point. So what, what is location? Um, especially, especially today. Um, yeah. And I'm originally from New Brunswick. So I, I do like to, um, you know, shout out to my, uh, East coast family. Um, that's a big part of, um, you know, who I am. So, you know, Ottawa, um, New Brunswick, but, you know, really all across, all across Canada. Um, so, so my, my project really came about, um, so I guess, you know, so for the last couple of years, I've been really involved with an advocate, you know, with, with and in advocacy for better inclusion of 2S LGBTQ plus people in sport. Um, you know, I've worked with various organizations. I've worked with Coach New Brunswick, who is the the delivery agent for coach education in the province, to develop a hand guide for coaches for working with LGBTQ plus athletes. I've worked with uh, You Can Play, which is a national organization, um, which is in the U.S. and Canada. So I'm ambassador with them to uh, make sports more inclusive. And I've worked with Egal for talks and presentations as well. And you know, when I was doing this work, I you know, I was really thinking about the question of how can we make sports inclusive for these people, right? Mm-hmm. And I started thinking more about how we can, I guess, you know, solve it almost backwards. So instead of thinking about how we can make sports more inclusive, which which obviously we still need to do, and there's still work to be done there, but I sort of reframed it in my head, uh, reframed the question in my head, and thought about it more as how can sport be used for inclusion, how can sport be the vessel for including to us LGBTQ plus people in our society? So that's really got me thinking about, um, you know, you know, obviously how sport can be used for social for social cohesion. Um, how can how can be used for community development? How can be used for positive social impact? So that's really sort of how my project came about. Um, and you know, I was using, and I kind of wanted to try to tie in my my background and my education in public policy and with, you know, my sport background as well. And this, this is sort of how it came about. I, uh, um, I combined the two to talk about, you know, sport policy and how sport can be used in policy and projects and programs across Canada and, and from the municipal grassroots level up to, you know, the national and, um, you know, high performance sport athletes. Um, so how can sport be used to impact 
all of the society in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess my idea was, you know, to sort of develop a sport policy think tank, I guess. <laughs> so really, is, I mean, essentially what you're saying is using sport and sport policy as a way to be more inclusive and bringing different communities together. Sure, that, that's definitely one huge aspect of what I was thinking about, but I was thinking a lot more also in other ways. Like, you know, obviously everyone knows um, how sport can contribute to physical and mental well-being. Um, so people's health, that's super important. Um, sport, you know, as we mentioned, sport, you know, can be used for inclusion, for empowerment, empowerment of youth, women and girls, Indigenous communities, people with disabilities, um, LGBTQ plus people, um, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of other ways, too. Um, you know, for example, tackling climate change, you know, increasing bike paths, increasing walkability of cities, um, you know, active transport is a huge way that we can, you know, reduce our uh, greenhouse gas emissions from from transport. Um, some other ways are, you know, uh, sport diplomacy. So using, you know, the Olympics, that's a really great example of international diplomacy. Um, but there's also, you know, grassroots diplomacy. Um, so that's, you know, sort of informal sports structures being used to, um, you know, create a, t- create a, you know, tighter knit community. Um, so like, you know, the Canada Games, their purpose is to, you know, create a stronger Canada, like, you know, uh, bring Canada together um, and, you know, create closer social ties for Canada. Um, so, you know, sport can be used for inclusive, inclusion, sport can be used for climate action, sport can be used for, um, you know, a whole bunch of different ways. And that's really what I wanted to try to highlight and try to advocate for and try to raise awareness of. So really, it's like using sport as a tool to accomplish all these different things. Exactly, exactly. Um, You touched a little bit on being an advocate for the 2S LGBTQ community. Uh, related to sport, I was just wondering uh, if you could explain what some of the gaps um, or some of the challenges that community faces within sports. Some of the listeners may not uh, may not know. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I I think everyone knows that sports are very often segregated into boys and girls, mm-hmm. um, and you know that right off the bat creates a very you know, sometimes not welcoming space for a lot of people, especially for, you know, non-binary and transgender, um, for, for those, those, for those folks. Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't actually just feel welcomed in sports. Um, I know that I personally dropped out of sport because I didn't see myself reflected in sport. Um, when I, you know, when I was starting to question who I was, I, so I, you know, I, I am, I am gay. And, you know, when I was starting to question who I was and, um, you know, what I wanted to be in the future, I, you know, kind of looked around and, and I didn't really see any other gay athletes. So I didn't really see how I could be both gay and be an athlete. So I ended up dropping out. I, I did end up getting back into it, thankfully, because um, I did feel, you know, empowered later on. But um, that, w- that was something that I struggled with for a long time. Um, but, you know, 2S, LGBTQ+, youth drop out of sport way more often um, and way, way, way more frequently than their, than their straight peers. So that's a huge problem. And, you know, I, I truly believe that sports are for everyone and that I believe that the heart of what sports is all about is participation. 
Um, you know, some of the, some of the other problems that people face are, you know, people are still using homophobic slurs in sport. Um, you know, just yesterday, a golfer used a homophobic, a homophobic slur while, while he was playing. Um, Mm. yeah. And, you know, we need to focus on, you know, on coach, on a coach education and make sure that they're using inclusive language. So they're not saying, you know, boys and girls, they're using proper pronouns of athletes and things like that. Yeah, it's, I think it's such a hidden thing um, to be talked about in society that that we get these small blimps in the news and in the media of um, highlighting some of these issues, but I think it's still very hush-hush. And I would even say, you know, in terms of sports and being part of the 2S LGBTQ community, there's such a perception that if you are an athlete, you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, and it really doesn't give enough, um, I guess, I am losing my train of thought, enough. Um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's 100% true. You know, sports, sports is very focused on, you know, male sports. You know, obviously it's the NHL, NBA, you know, that's, you know, Women and girls sports is not exactly mainstream. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, what people are exposed to for sports and what people think a good athlete looks like is, you know, a, you know, someone who has very masculine traits. Um, so that's, you know, that, that, that sport culture is very, you know, very non-inclusive a lot of the time. How do you think we could get to a place where it is more inclusive? Yeah, so I, I, I did mention already that I think we need to focus on, you know, coach education. Um, you know, so that's something that I've been focusing on in my advocacy work, um, you know, working with Coach New Brunswick for the hand guide, um, working with You Can Play for presentations at EGAL's Outshine conference for, um, which is uh, GSAs and educators. So really focusing on the education part uh, for people delivering sport programming. You know, it's really important for, people to understand, you know, obviously what LGBTQ plus that, you know, basically just what that abbreviation means, right? A lot of people still don't know. <laughs> and we're in 2021 now. Um, so making sure that people are aware, make sure that people are educated. Um, I think, th- I think those are all really important aspects. And I think, I think the coach has, plays a really important part in that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree with you that the coach, education is a major piece um i'm even thinking of like beyond that like how do we create a safe space because i i think it's also like you can give as much education to the coaches and then you know sometimes people are so entrenched in their thoughts and may for a lack of a better way of me explaining it, but may just pretend that they are more inclusive um, because they had to act a certain way to be inclusive. If you, you get what I'm meaning. So like, how do you think we could create a space where like even athletes on a team could be more inclusive? Is it just the education piece? Do you think there has to be more policies and procedures that need to be put in place? Yeah. So I think, you know, you know, there's a whole, like, you know, I want to say movement in Canada to make sport more safe. Um, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of 
uh, instances in Canada and around the world of, um, you know, abuse and exploitation of coaches of their athletes, which is, which is a huge problem. And that's, you know, that's a different, that's, that's like a different space than specifically to, to us LGBTQ plus people in sport. Um, but you know, there are obviously intertwined, you know, safe sport, making, making sports safe, um, isn't necessarily just for, you know, isn't, it's not, isn't, isn't, it isn't just for one part of society. It's for everybody. Um, I think, you know, you know, uh, you know, obviously society is changing. I think that from when I was an athlete to now seeing my, seeing my athletes interact with other, other athletes on the team, it's totally different. You know, youth are way more accepting and way more, um, you know, inclusive than they were before. Um, so that's already changing in itself. I think, you know, obviously we still need to, you know, you know, move it along a bit and make it more visible. I think we need to have more representation. Um, the more visibility we have of athletes and coaches who are out will help move that inclusive space along. Um, you know, for me, I, as I was saying, I didn't see myself reflected in sports, right? So making that piece um, you know, making that visibility, making that represent- representation piece, I think that will also help a lot more people. Make sure that people are seeing themselves, seeing themselves reflected in sports and make sure that they are seeing a, a place for themselves in sport. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And, you know, when you're talking about the representation, I'm thinking back, I think it was a few years ago, it was a, a football player that came out, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his name was Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, I think this was like 2014 or 2013. Mm-hmm. It, and like, I remember it being such a, you know, a, a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so there's, and you know, as long as, as far as I know, there hasn't been any uh, professional NHL player come out. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as, you know, and I'm sure there are is at least one in the entire NHL. And as soon as, you know, what this person comes out, you know, that's going to make headlines, right? So that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, we're getting there. We just, we still got some ways to go, but we're getting there. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I have to ask for myself, um, you know, I'm not that well informed on sports policy. So if you could please explain what that means and what specific gaps in policies are you hoping to address? So I think in the Canadian context, uh, sport policy has really revolved around, you know, high level athletes, um, getting them to the podium at the Olympics, uh, focusing on competition, uh, getting our athletes to the world stage. Um, but, you know, as I talked about earlier, sport policy is so much more than that, right? Sport policy is tackling climate change. Um, sport policy is diplomacy. Sport policy is, um, you know, inclusion. Uh, sport policy is education. Sport policy is health. Sport policy is economic action. Um, so there's a lot more ways that sport can be used in policy, in, you know, in government or, you know, outside of government um, to develop communities and make them stronger. Um so, yeah, I, I to me, sport policy means ways of using sport in to, to achieve our policy goals. So if our policy goal is to, you know, make uh, communities, 
you know, obviously this is going to be a really simple example, but, you know, to use to make our communities healthy or healthier, right? So how can we use sport to do that? Well, you know, increasing bike lanes, make them healthier, increasing walking paths, healthier, increasing, uh, uh, not, you know, environmental spaces, conversa- conservation areas for people to go hiking. Um, you know, those are all important pieces to uh, making people's health better. And, you know, that's how sport, sport is tied into health, right? Um, so that's what, you know, sport policy means to me. Um, so, so some of the gaps to me are that we're not using it to its full advantage. We are not using sport um, nearly enough. I think this is starting to change. I, you know, it's definitely starting to change. Uh, Catherine McKenna, the, the infrastructure minister, minister she's been fo- uh, putting really large focus on um, bike, but, you know, bike lanes and cities and stuff and, and doing some grants like, for, like, for grants like that for municipalities. Um, so things, you know, this is starting to change, but I think there's still a lot, lot more to, we can do. Um, you know, as far as I know, there's not really, um, you know, a foreign policy that we have that's includes that, that, that includes sports as, you know, as a tool for diplomacy or as a tool for, you know, development overseas really either. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, I, um, so I am somewhat informed in, public policy and I'm thinking back, you know, to my past education and, you know, sport really isn't talked about. Uh, It isn't talked about how it could be used as a tool to accomplish some of these goals. Um, When I think about your project and what you're trying to accomplish, I I think about the agency, um, I think it's called Right to Play. Yep. And so uh, I'm assuming assuming that it, it you're it's very similar to the work that you want to do you're just trying to take it a step further and trying to really use sport as that tool yeah so i think right to play is mostly focused on um making sure that sport is accessible for everyone if, right. I'm, not, if I'm not totally wrong um which obviously you know needs to be addressed you know there's economic uh, barriers there's social barriers that people um you know as we talked about you know sport culture and inclusion and stuff in sports that's not totally um you know totally advanced and not where it should be yet um but yeah so i i you know i guess you know making sure that everybody's included in sports um i guess that's it's a bit different than what i'm thinking i think Mm -hmm. that's you know trying to get people involved in sports is one super awesome thing but what i i think what i'm really trying to do is make sports just accessible and available to, you know, every single person. It, you know, I think right to play is really focused on more, um, I want to say more formal roots, like for, more formal community grassroots organizations, like getting them involved in your local soccer team um, and getting them in sport, um, which is not necessarily, uh, you know, I think, you know, inclusion and accessibility of sport is super important, um, but it's not, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're looking more at like the higher level societal change. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've witnessed in my advocacy career a lot of other gaps related to sports um, in terms of like accessibility issues within the disability community or discrimination of BIPOC communities. Um, I was just wondering if you've seen this in sport policy and uh, how do you think we could go about addressing these gaps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, these barriers exist. Um, you know, they exist in most of our society, unfortunately. 
Um, but I think this is, you know, another way that sport can have a sp- positive social impact. You know, sports can be a form of protest. Sports are political. You know, Colin Ka- Ka- uh, Kaepernick, um, you know, the NFL player kneeling during the national anthem and raising his fist. Um, you know, sport can be used to raise awareness of in- inequalities in our society. Um, you know, I think that, you know, things are being done to address this. Um, you know, yeah. recently Canada had a national women and girls, you know, equality group fo- focusing on how to make sport more inclusive. Um, you know, Canada does have a national Indigenous sport policy that does rec- recognize the important role that uh, that sport has to help build these communities. And, you know, after the this past summer and the Black Lives Matter movements, um, you know, organizations like the Coaching Association of Canada um, has launched their, um, has launched a Black female mentorship program for coaches in a partnership with the, um, I'm, I, cause there's a, it's a new organization and I'm, Sorry if I can get the name wrong, but I believe it's the um, Black Coaches of Canada Association. Um, I think that's it. What it is. Um, so you know, there's there's there are being steps taken already. Um, you know, and you know, obviously, it's kind of sad that it's taken until twenty twenty to start some of these programs. Um, but I think it's definitely you know positive steps, and we're definitely making progress and and definitely making um, sports more inclusive. You know, one of the challenges I've always had with public policy is the implementation that, you know, there's a lot of policies that are, I call them ornamental policies, you know, they look good on paper, um, but implementation wise, it's, it it falls short quite a bit. Um, So with that being said, you know, how do you think with sports policy, because I'm assuming, and I'm not that well informed on it, that there's some stuff out there that does look good on paper, but implementation is not, um, it's not that good. So how do you, one, are you seeing the same thing that I'm possibly seeing with that? And what do you think we can do to better implement these policies? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely, (laughs) that's just, you know, sometimes happens in policy, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, you know, obviously, you know, people have the best intention sometimes for a policy to help tell people. But I think sometimes, you know, necessarily they don't, um, you know, they don't always, you know, talk through, I guess, talk to the communities that they're trying to help, talk to the communities that they're trying to empower through that specific policy. So sometimes the consultation piece is not necessarily there. But I think, you know, one thing about the sport and like sport policies that sport is extremely versatile. You know, mm. sport has been played and used for, you know, as long as humans have been around, right? Sport and recreation, it, you know, anybody can go for a walk at any time. You know, you know anybody can go, um, you know, it, it's very accessible for, for the most part. Um, so it, it, that's, so sport is an extremely versatile tool. And, I, you know, obviously if you don't, I think with any policy, if you don't plan right from the beginning, if you don't plan properly, if you don't, if you don't consult, if you don't set out measures for like what you want to happen, if you don't set out goals and targets, it's very hard for you to track and it's very hard for you to, uh, you know, determine if your policy is actually doing its job. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that all policy and, you know, sport policy also, you need to think about those things. You need to, ta- you need to implement targets. You need to say, this is where we want to be. This is what we want to accomplish. And, you know, be able to measure that uh, concretely. 
Um, where do you hope to take your project? Um, what are your, you know, if you had all the funding in the world, um, and we were in a dream world, <laughs> what, what are, what are your, re, um, what are your hopes and dreams for it? I would love for this project to become, uh, you know, a national sport policy think tank. So really right now, you know, it's just, uh, really a website where I, you know, I do some interviews on the website to talk about, um, you know, different types of policy and how sport can be, how sport can be used to influence it. Uh, I've also recently started a podcast, um, just launched it in, at the end of, you know, the, it was like the last day of November. So basically December of last year. Um, so I, you know, I really want this to be a national conversation and have, you know, stakeholders from governments, stakeholders from the nonprofit sector, stakeholders from corporations, stakeholders from um, sport organizations. Um, I, I would really love to have, you know, a, you know, national conferences talking about how sport can be used for positive social impact. You know, I think for a long time, um, you know, sport, you know, obviously governments, I think, and their sport policy needs to be updated. But I think sport organizations, they have for too long, they've only been focusing on, um, you know, the development of their athletes and focusing on getting that gold medal at the Olympics. Mm. You know, why, why shouldn't Cycling Canada be focused on, you know, helping raise awareness of bike paths or, you know, helping implement safety um, measures for with the government for cycling in cities and stuff. So, uh, you know, I think that's something that sport organizations need to work more on. So that's, yeah. yeah. So that's what I want to do. I, you know, I really love to this for it to be like a think tank where how we can, how we can think about, you know, the best positive way that sports can be used um, to impact all levels of our society. Um, what have you learned um, so far in developing this project? Um, so I guess I've, you know, I have learned a lot, you know, when I was going into it, I, I had some ideas of how, you know, sport could be used, um, you know, obviously for health, but I, I, I really learned a lot about how the versatility and the, you know, the widespread impact that sport can have in so many different sectors, you know, sport tourism and economic empowerment can be really, um, you know, can be really powerful. Um, one example for, you know, economic activity is, you know, so, um, so I'm from New Brunswick and the only 50 meters, so like the only long course, Olympic size pool is in St. John, New Brunswick in our, in our province. And every single year, obviously, obviously, you know, not, not now, but before, um, main, the main state championships were held in St. John, New Brunswick. So the, all the teams from the state of Maine, so right next door to New Brunswick from, from the U S came to St. John and held their championships every there every year. So that's, you know, that's bringing economic, economic activity to the city, um, you know, hotels, um, buying, you know, restaurants and stuff there um you know so there's a lot of ways that um i you know i've learned that i never really thought about how sport is you know driving driving um these different sort of um these different you know policy ideas i guess yeah i mean just from speaking with you for this short while i've already learned so much um Sport is not my thing, but just speaking to you, I've already started to think of how could I even implement uh, sport with the work that I do with youth, right, and um, accomplish various goals with them. So 
yeah, like I, I never would have uh, thought to take it to the level that you have. So uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, obviously, there can also be, you know, things like youth sport policy, youth, you know, sports teach really vital, um, you know, skills to youth, like time management, responsibility, leadership, um, you know, determination, hard work, it teaches a whole bunch of valuable life skills for youth. Um, you know, so that's another way that sport can have a positive social impact. So, you know, sports extremely versatile. And that's what I love about sport. You know, I, I, I think it can be used in a lot of different scenarios. And, um, you know, it's, you know, it's, often it can be you know also a very cheap thing to do um you know if you know if you do it right obviously competitive sports are very expensive but if you do you know a grassroots sport um thing it can can be relatively cheap like buying a soccer ball for your recreation for you know for your for your camp or whatever it can be super cheap right um yeah (laughs) um we're near the end of time and uh i'm gonna ask you what's become the trademark question uh what does advocacy mean to you? What does advocacy mean to me? Um, I think to, for me, advocacy means working to make the world a better place. Mm. Love it. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, before we end off our conversation, would you like to say anything else uh, to the listeners? Um, you, you know, I always like, whenever I talk uh, to people, I always like to say, leave off with a message of, you know, be you, be yourself, um, you know, be proud of who you are, and, you know, that will get you places. Oh, I love that. Um, is... Uh, can you let the listeners know what your website is so they could... Check it out. Sure. So my uh, website is just sportsforsocialimpact.com. Uh, it's just like, all spelt out. Um, you can also find me personally on Twitter at uh, David S. Thibodeau if you want to reach out to me on there. Great. Uh, thank you for taking the time out to speak with me today. Um, I've learned quite a bit and I'm going to definitely read up more on this. So thank you for your knowledge and teaching me. Um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Rising Youth Podcast. For more information uh, about the program we provide or start your own project, please visit risingyouth.ca. Let's raise awareness together.